Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. It is NBA Draft Lottery Night, and this is Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day, whenever you need it. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the lucky charm, David Walker. They should do like a like a like a scratch like a scratch off lottery, right? <laughs> like you have everyone have a card, and they could just. Everyone takes out a, a, a coin and just scratch it off. A giant, a giant coin with right. with uh, who's on ESPN now? Uh, Jalen Rose I with Jalen Rose's head on it. Um, <laughs> David, did you get to watch the Celtics win Game Seven last night on the back of future Kaminsky, aka Kelly Olynyk? Oh boy, I did Game Seven, man. Um, that was uh, okay. So let's talk. I, I did want to talk about the Celtics a little bit, Doug, because I mean, some would look at them and say, you know what, they did that rebuilding thing pretty well. Sure. I think the re- I think I think you know the reviews have been good, but like if you look at it, because we're talking draft, right? They have drafted guys, but it's not like any of their key. Like Horford was a trade. Um, Isaiah Thomas was a trade, but they've stocked their draft picks with all these athletic um you know hard-working guys obviously they buy in but that's the type of thing that we've been crying out for you know that the hornets need to add some of these guys that can just go out there and um and, and play their hardest yes but are athletic enough and and can also you know spot up and hit a three every now and then I mean, and I, I, I seems like the way to go about it yeah and i think marcus smart is the guy you point yeah. to right there uh, knocking down the occasional three and when he's not when he's not taking too many threes He's very effective, but his defense right. was stellar last night. And I think Colin on uh, Twitter said that uh, Colin Hoggard, uh, formerly of uh, WFNZ and uh, of the Blue Goose uh, mm-hmm. podcast on the Carolina Panthers, said that uh, Marcus Smart was everything that Hornets fans want MKG to be. And I don't know if that's totally on point because I don't think like Marcus huh. Smart is is good at dishing the ball as well. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure that like and he's more of a you know Marcus Smart can take over point guard duties, where I don't think that that was ever going to be a thing with Michael Kidd Gilchrist. But I sort of the athletic guy who can play defense and and occasionally hit a three. I can see where he was going with that. Well, yeah, he's a guy that I think everyone wants. The you know like. That's tough to put it all in. I, I know what he's saying, right? But yeah, I mean, I think they're talking about that on NBA um, radio this morning. Just like he's a guy you want out there on your team. Like he's gonna play hard. He's gonna play tough. He can maybe knock down a three every once in a while. Like he's gonna have some crazy games where he, he well, like he said, he does shoot too many threes or something like that. But um, they've got a couple of guys with that. I mean, you know, Jalen Brown's out there running around too. Like they've got some of these guys that can run up and down on you, and. You put them around Isaiah Thomas, 
and you have Al Horford out there, you know, spacing the floor, and you have Kelly Olynyk go out of his brain for a game seven. I mean, you know, it, it all comes together. But, like, obviously that rebuilding project has been done uh, incredibly well. Obviously it's Boston. Obviously, um, you know, Ainge is a, a shrewd guy when it comes to doing those moves. And, oh, yeah, they're probably going to get the number one pick <laughs> tonight. But I still think you can approach draft picks. And I think, the you know, the Hornets especially, when you look at the lack of that type of guy on this roster, it's it's something that they can probably build towards. But and my, certainly my, a pretty fun team to watch. Yeah, my last thought, though, is that on the other side of the basketball, uh, the Washington Wizards, Bradley Beal is a star. It's all but a thing yeah. now. If he stays healthy next year, he'll be an all-star. You don't know oh, yeah. what's going to happen in Toronto. Kyle Lowry may move out west. They may trade DeMar DeRozan. There's going. I think there will be a few more open spots next year in the east. And uh, at points in the series, you couldn't guard him. And poor Isaiah Thomas had to because they wanted him off John Wall. But uh, Bradley Beal... Yeah, I mean yeah. he's he is no, unguardable no, no. at times. Not it's, not to heap, not, not to continue to heap on that draft right, that, right. that the Hornets lost every out. Time, every time it's like, oh yeah, we could have had him. Twenty twelve. I, I get that, but you know, and then you look at the Wizards, right? So like, all of their picks have really come from the draft. I mean, for the most part, Beal, Wall, Porter, uh, Ubre, right? Like they've they've kind of built out the core of that team with with draft picks. So you kind of have to you know tip your cap to them. It's taken them a while to to get there but like when Wall's playing like that and you got Beal as long as he stays healthy you're right I mean that that backcourt is going to be tough hey we're starting our daily Hornets draft coverage this week so if you haven't subscribed yet what are you waiting on go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast subscribe and rate us we are the only daily Hornets news and analysis out here and we're going to take you all the way to June 22nd and the NBA draft. The lottery takes place tonight on ESPN. Coverage begins at 8 o'clock p.m. If the Hornets vault into one of the top three spots, I would definitely check our Facebook page out, facebook.com forward slash locked on Hornets. Hint, hint, maybe some live coverage if that happens. Uh, Definitely a pod tonight uh, if that happens. So check that out. Uh, If they do get a top three pick, David, I've got some scenarios here. So this is if the Hornets secure a top three pick. I want you to help me rank these scenarios, okay? There is getting the number one pick and selecting Markel Fultz. There is trading out for a veteran starter. There is trading out for multiple bench pieces. There's trading out for multiple picks. And then they're selecting, you know, getting the two or three pick and selecting Ball, Jackson, Tatum, one of those kind of consensus top four, top five guys. So there's Markell at one, trading out for a veteran, like a veteran impact player, trading out like a Jimmy Butler scenario with with uh, what the Celtics tried to pull off last season, trading out for multiple bench pieces, trading out multiple picks, or selecting one of the top five consensus guys. So so which would uh, we'd rather do? I mean, honestly, at this point, I'm leaning towards selecting. I, w- I, would, take a, I would take the pick. I don't think I would go and try and get a veteran at this point i just think that's you know uh, it feels like that's what you do if you are the celtics and, and you need one more piece i mean i don't think the hornets are there i think they need to keep building with younger guys and finally you know hit a home run on a draft pick and that would be easy to do if they get into that top three so that's what i would do i mean if they have one i think you get faults because he seems to be the consensus top pick so um that seems like something they could not mess up. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, speak out of turn here, but that's what I would do. I, I just, 
as, as down as I am on adding things to the draft, I think if you get up into that area where you've got one of these no-brainers, that's when you take your shot. Yeah, I think uh, the number one scenario is obviously getting that number one pick and, and taking Markel Fultz because he is everything that the Hornets desperately need right now. And I don't care that he was a point guard in college. I think you can play him uh, at the two. He's 6'4", 6'10", wingspan. Uh, it would be sort of a Phoenix scenario where they had Drajic and Bledsoe, uh, two smaller guys, one-two, but uh, th- that tended to work while they had that together. Uh, but Fultz is a, a, a tenacious defender. He's an amazing athlete. I think that uh, the, the Fultz... Uh, Kimball Walker pairing could absolutely work. I think you take him number one. You certainly do not trade out of that position. And then I'm going to rank number two, trade out for multiple picks because I think, look, they can, uh, they have a great core of starters that they've assembled, a starting unit that has proved that it, it plays just as well as any of the major starting units in the National Basketball Association. They've got some issues on the bench. They could address those in free agency. So I think if you get an opportunity, if you get that two or three pick and somebody like the Lakers, because that would if they got the number three pick or the number two pick, that would knock the Lakers out, assuming that the Lakers did not also win the lottery. So if the Lakers want to jump up there and get Lonzo Ball, then I think you absolutely start asking them about next year's number one and and different things. And then you can start building, you can start legitimately building through the draft as opposed to, and that that sets up a situation, David, similar to what the Celtics are looking at, because they could play very well next season if they assembled the right bench pieces, and then all of a sudden they're a playoff team and they've got a chance at a at a top three pick. So you're uh, going future future picks, right? And then additional I additional future assets, yeah, yeah. And then I think number three is trade out for a veteran starter. Number four is selecting Ball, Jackson, or Tatum because uh, I think you can't go wrong with talent. And then finally, trade out for multiple bench pieces. That would be no. Don't build your bench by trading out of the top three picks. So uh, let us know what you think on Twitter at Locked On Hornets or uh, Buzz Buzz at Locked On Hornets. Hey, so I got a chance to talk to Hornets.com's Sam Purley about the draft process, the draft lottery, and and what he thinks about some of what's going on. Let's take a listen to that. Let's look ahead to tonight, Sam. The NBA draft lottery, the Hornets have a small chance at jumping into one of those top three slots, uh, but there is a chance. Rich Cho, (laughs) general manager Rich Cho, will be attending. Any inside information about a uh, Cho lucky charm of any kind? Is he is he a lucky charm kind of guy? I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure either. Yeah, um, hopefully he is. You know, everyone's been there's always been the talk, and maybe this is the year. And um, you know, obviously these guys. I mean, we know the odds. I don't know if it was ninety something percent. It's going to stay at eleven or twelve. So obviously the odds are great. Anything can happen, but. you know, the draft seems so deep this year and like we've seen in past years, just because you're not a top three pick does not mean you're not going to get a good player. We've seen plenty of guys in that 10 to 15 range in the last couple of years, Miles Turner, you know, the Devin Bookers, uh, Ante DeCumpo. I mean, all those guys are mid first rounds. So if you do your homework, um, you know, I think you're very capable of, of getting a, a extremely talented player where we're projected to end up being, where is 11? 
Yeah, I think the number one spot is pretty locked in with Markel Foltz, a consensus pick, but there is plenty of debate after that. I won't ask you to make a pick because I can't even make a pick right now. We're pretty early in this process, but you've been around the organization a lot, so I think you can provide a little insight here. What type of player do you think that the Hornets, just based on the history and based on what you know, what type of player do you think the organization would be targeting if if they vaulted into those top three slots or even if they selected at 11? Well, I think obviously if you, if you vault into the top three, you know, you kind of know the talent is there. And, and I think you would have to take one of those Fultz, Ball, uh, Jackson kind of guys, and then you can figure out the fit later. You either fit them in or, or trade them. I mean, I don't think you can pass up on a talent that good in the top three. Um, but as we heard at the end of the season, you know, Rich Cho has addressed end of the season that, you know, the main areas they're looking to uh, address in the off season, it's, it's the guard depth and uh, in rim protection, sort of the depth. So um, I think that area will be addressed if I had to guess probably in that area, but again, things can happen. You can use that pick to address it. You can trade that pick to get, you know, already established player to address it. You know, there's a, there's a multitude of different uh, avenues you can go with that. But I think those are the two uh, primary areas, just depth, you know, defensive rim protection and uh, and guard depth next year, as we saw kind of got, uh, you know, exploited a little bit this year because of the injuries. After tonight's lottery, once the spots are set, uh, what's next in the draft process for the Charlotte Hornets? So, at the combine, I think it was about so the player we've talked talked about thirty of the seventy players there, um, and got about a handful of them that said they had set up interviews with Charlotte, um, and then from here on out, these guys will start doing individual workouts with teams. So they'll be coming to Charlotte to work out in sort of a group setting, seven or eight other players, see how they stack up going against other guys that might be in the running for a guy at that spot, whether it's the eleven spot, the forty first, and then we also have the two-way contracts in the D-League to also um, look at. So you're really looking at three different areas in this whole draft process. So that'll be kind of the next step. And I think these guys will take, like, you know, we ask them, and it's like we ask some guys this week and who you had interviews with, and it's 10 to 15 teams they lift off. So uh, they'll be pretty busy the next four or five weeks meeting with teams, doing individual workouts, doing private workouts, um, stuff like that. So that's that's kind of next in the cards for these guys. Sam, you read a lot of draft uh, analysis. You read a lot about basketball in general, and you and you write a lot about it. What's your? You have a pet peeve about draft coverage, about people who analyze the draft and talk about these product projects. Do you read something and go, "Oh my god, this again"? Um, yeah, I mean, there's some stuff. I, I think I'm I'm slowly kind of. Uh, I think in the last couple of years, we've seen maybe, you know. I, I think, and this is just a personal thing as you ask me, I, I like, you know, it seems to be a rise in the popularity of the guys that have stayed in school a little bit longer. Mm. Um, I think the project players um, and project that's the one and dones, maybe the internationals. I mean, you can get lucky with them, but you know, it, it's a four to five year investment that you don't know will pan out. And we started seeing in the last couple of years, these four year guys that are coming out, you know, Frank, Malcolm Brogdon, some of these guys that stayed in school, they're experienced, they're proven. Um, you know, stuff like that. I, I think that's kind of the trend that maybe team or maybe not necessarily the trend, but you know, where teams are taking second looks at these guys. Oh, you're not writing them off because they're 23 years old. So I would say kind of, uh, I think my pet peeve would be, you know, seeing guys write off, uh, maybe more established 
hmm. uh, four-year college players like that. Um, you know, just just something I've noticed. But overall, I mean, it's every team's got fits. Every team's got needs they want to address. So it means drafting a 19-year-old over a 23-year-old. It's uh, you know, it's it's their pick and. They'll have to deal with the consequences, whether good or bad. And Kaminsky is certainly developing nicely, and Brogdon uh, has uh, shown that uh, he was uh, worth well more than than the place that he was picked. So, good point there, Sam. My pet peeve is when you when you have these guys that say, "Well, I really like that guy," or "I I don't really like that guy," and then they just stop. Like, why don't you? <laughs> it's the it's the equivalent yeah. of the uh, hashtag solid. Uh, like, give me. Yeah. Why don't you like that guy? Did he? To what? What did he do to you? Did he? Did he not paint your fence? And you paid him already? Like, what is this? Why don't you like him? Just a pet peeve. Yeah, you saw that a lot in the NFL. NFL draft. I remember watching. It's just in every everyone that rolls out is, is John Gruden. I like this guy. It's my kind of guy. And it's just, I think when <laughs> you got like mean? yeah, seventy, you know, seventy guys that are going to be sixty guys that are going to be drafted. It's just it's hard to have an opinion or. You know, it's it's okay saying, hey, you know, I don't know much about this guy, you know, but uh, I definitely agree with you there. It's, you know, it's a big field and there's a lot of, I mean, not only the college, but you have the international ranks to look at as well to gauge talent. So, but I'm definitely right there with you. He's Hornets.com's Sam Purley. You can follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore Purley, P-E-R-L-E-Y, where he's sure to drop what Hornets analyst Eric Collins once called Purley's Pearls of Wisdom. Thanks so much, Sam, for joining us and we'd love to have you back. Thank you very much. David, uh, do you have any lucky charms? Are you superstitious? I don't, I don't really know this about you. Are you a superstitious guy? Well, yeah. So, like, uh, I was pretty superstitious during the uh, NCAA tournament this year, and it and it and it, and it bared out. It what did like in, in what way? Oh, I had to watch every one of those games in the same spot with the same people, and I had to get the <laughs> other members of my family into their same respective spots. So, wow. That was, you know, I had a couple of different households going. Yeah, you're building. You're building like a tableau. <laughs> Everyone, uh, no one move. <laughs> exactly. Um, what about you? You going any uh, any lucky charms? Yeah, I've got one. I've got my uh, Eldon Campbell beanie baby. Mm-hmm. I will definitely be holding on to that during the draft. I'm trying to. I want to try to. Uh, get any old Hornets memorabilia that I have to try to drum up some of that old Hornets lottery luck because there was a right. time in this franchise's history where they were, were able to overcome uh, the lottery gods and, and sneak up uh, into the top three selections. So, you it's know. time. It is time for some good fortune. I feel like and that would be great because, you know, it knocks out the Lakers and the Hornets would get some luck. It, it You know, I, I think it would be... I think that would be the the, the scenario. Um, you want to you know what my lucky charm will be tonight? Yes, absolutely. It's it's a nice little pour of bourbon, and I've got this glass. <laughs> and and the, and and the good thing about this lucky charm is, if it doesn't work, oh, then it'll you work. can just it, it'll work one way or another. Ninety percent right? so, of the time, it works every time. That's right. That's right. Okay, uh, let's go to our next uh, draft profile. We'll be doing these all the way up until June 22nd in the NBA draft. In honor of the NBA draft lottery taking place tonight, we wanted to profile one of those players that is being discussed in those top three positions, Lonzo Ball. Let's take a listen. 
We're on now with Ashley Talier of GojoBruin.com talking about Lonzo Ball. A lot to talk about here. Very interesting character, and he's got a very interesting character as a father, too. But let's start with him and his basketball game. Uh, tell us about what may, makes him uh, right now the number two prospect in this NBA draft. You know, Doug, I think part of why people really like Lonzo and why he's so successful is his incredible court vision. I mean, even from the backcourt, he can look around and he knows where to take that ball. And just from the moment that he gets it, he knows how to set the play that's about to happen. So he has incredible court vision, incredible leadership skills, and he has just this explosiveness to his game that just makes him a really, really exciting player to watch. And he helped take UCLA's offense from, I believe, 50th in the nation to one of the top offenses in the country. Tell us how he how he transformed uh, that offense for the Bruins. Really, it was just the fact that Lonzo sort of came in, and because he's so good, he sort of made everyone else in the team want to get to his level. And I think that's so important about Lonzo Ball, because not every player has that characteristic that you just come in and want to make everyone else in your team play that much better. Now, he had no problem scoring in the tournament this season and really overall uh, the season, averaging 14.6 points on the year. But he has an unusual shot, Ashley. Tell us about that shot, uh, what what makes it unusual, and uh, if uh, scouts or or people who are paying attention to the draft should be concerned about uh, that unusual shot motion. When Lonzo comes up with his shot, he sort of has to get a little bit more separation be- because he brings it out of his left side, which is a very unnatural motion, and it it turns out to be a very slow delivery. Now that might be okay for college, but he might come to the NBA and realize that hey, maybe I can't be this slow. Maybe I need a a much faster delivery. Now, there's many out there who will say that, you know, why fix something that isn't broken, right? They'll say he's accurate. When he takes the shot, he makes it. So why is it a problem? And I think part of that is because in the NBA, you know, it's going to be a much faster game and he is going to face better defenders that are just not going to give him the, the type of separation that he needs to take that, that awkward shooting motion. But if he's able to, um, it's going to come down to two things. Either he's going to have to always find that way to get that separation so that he has sufficient time to release the ball, then he's going to be fine. But if he starts struggling with that, he's just going to have to adjust. He's going to have to change his motion and perhaps start shooting like everyone else. But, you know, I, I kind of think that Lonzo likes that shot because he likes to be a little different. I think that's part of it. But, you know, in the NBA, it might just not work. And talk to us about his defense. Uh, wasn't something that people brought up immediately with Lonzo. Is that something he'll have to improve upon, or was it a strength for him last season? Well, he is not a terrible defender, but he's also not the best one. As you probably know already, he's been compared uh, with Jason Kidd, but every time that that comparison is made, uh, the first thing that comes out for everyone is that uh, 
you know, Kit still was a better defender than Lonzo was. Uh, you know, I think that it's one of those things that he'll he'll be having to work on, but I don't necessarily see that that he has to improve that much um, on that. But he did give up sometimes a little too quickly on his player. And, you know, that was just part of being a college freshman. You know, he, he will have time to improve on that. And I am confident that he will. And uh, I mentioned LeVar Ball, his uh, father at the at the jump. He's made a lot of news over the past couple of weeks. Um, you think that is anything that's, that uh, team should be concerned about at all, or do you think it's just you know something that uh, didn't really affect him in college and won't affect him in the NBA? Well, I think it is a concern, but it shouldn't be a concern to the point that you question whether you should pick him on the draft. And the reason why I say that is because you know, LeVar Ball, he likes to talk. He likes the attention. I think everyone saw that. He, every time he had an opportunity, he just made sure to make himself known with these big statements that he liked to make. <clears throat> I think that that is a problem for, for Lonzo because it puts an incredible amount of pressure on him. Now, Lonzo himself has never gone out and said, I'm better right now than a current NBA player. LeVar, on the other hand, has said that. So from the moment that Lonzo steps on the court on his first game, there's going to be sort of that expectation that, hey, your dad is saying you're, you're this really amazing superstar, so show us that you're that. So I think that adds an incredible amount of pressure on Lonzo that wouldn't be there otherwise. Because the truth is, a lot of people, you know, by speaking so much, LeVar didn't make a lot of friends. On the contrary, he's made a lot of people upset to the point that you have a Nike executive saying that he's the worst thing that's happened to basketball. Of course, that's a ridiculous claim, but it's still an important claim in the sense that it shows you this sort of hatred that is growing against LeVar Ball. So it will be a distraction and it'll be something that'll be affecting Lonzo. But I like to think that he can mature and grow from that. And maybe this is a conversation that he needs to have with his dad to say, hey, I'm in the NBA now. Maybe you need to step aside a little bit and let me do my thing. It's interesting, though, you say you say basically Lonzo. Uh, stayed above the fray, and he played on several elite stages and played very well. So he's obviously shown an ability to sort of separate uh, what his father says and how he performs on the court. Uh, tell us, Ashley, uh, you know, he's made a lot of statements uh, over the past couple of weeks, sort of insinuating, kind of saying, I I really kind of want to play in Los Angeles. The Lakers uh, may have an opportunity to take him. But do you think that he would, is this a Kobe Bryant situation where he would try to force his way to one team, or do you think that he would be open to playing somewhere else? You know, I think that even though now they're sort of trying to backtrack from that, I think the Ball family really wants to see Lonzo with the Lakers. But the more important thing that I see here is that the Lakers want Lonzo Ball too. They need a point guard. They have a young team. They're rebuilding. Lonzo is just their most natural fit. So it makes sense that if given the opportunity, they would draft him. Now, when it comes down to it, if the Lakers don't get uh, a top three pick, he ends up in another team, 
would he try to force himself back somehow? I think he would just play. I think, you know, he's excited. He's excited to go to the NBA. He's excited to show what he has at the next level. I don't think that he'll just try to sort of force himself back to the Lakers if he ends up in a good team. All right, Ashley, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, The Hornets, if they get the number one pick and you're in the draft, you're in the war room for the Charlotte Hornets, and uh, there's Michael Jordan and general manager Rich Cho, and they say, Ashley, why do we take Lonzo Ball here, number one, over Markel Foles? What do you say? I would take him because I believe his vision is just so much better. And, you know, he just has so much room to grow. And that's going to be so important in the years to come. I, you know, I, Falls, it's great. You know, he, I, I watched him play, has a lot of talent as well. But Lonzo just has this additional element that just gives him sort of the extra push. And I just see him doing much better in the NBA overall. And I, I think he does bring that sort of quality where, Everyone else just wants to play better and wants to have fun. And I think that's important. I think that actually makes him, to me, the number one pick. Vision, creativity, that extra something, that's something that not even LeVar Ball could teach him. (laughs) Uh, Ashley, thank you so much. You could read Ashley on gojobruin.com. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks for having me, Doug. Great stuff there on potential top three pick Lonzo Ball certainly has made some waves uh, in this offseason, Doug. I mean, let me ask you this. Once upon a time, there was a player who was drafted by the Hornets, was then traded to the Lakers, and then used that supposed shun from the Hornets to basically fuel his Hall of Fame career. Can you see that happening again? Oh, absolutely. That's that's the whole, <laughs> that's I, what I asked her about, because not only could I see what, no, here's the thing. It, I, I don't think that Lonzo would do that. I think that his father would. I think that his father would absolutely use uh, that kind of fuel. But I don't know if you'd have that same sort of situation with Michael Jordan as the owner. You know, because there was a little bit of like ownership and coach saying, well, we kind of didn't want him and we want to make this deal. I don't know if that similar situation would happen with a Michael Jordan at the helm. I don't think oh that he would. How, I don't think that he how, would lose that PR battle. How great would that be? I mean, MJ is typically not there like when they introduce these players, but I mean, how awesome would that be on like if they introduce Lonzo and his dad's there and Cho's there and MJ's there? What? Yeah, and, that, you know, it, it opens up, you know, he said a lot of things about Michael Jordan. It opens up this whole other can of worms. And, and I think, again, you've heard from a lot of general managers or, or you've heard reports about uh, front offices everywhere saying that this whole LeVar Ball situation doesn't matter. And, and I, I don't to- think it does. Well, I, t- I totally get that because you take the talent and you don't worry about the father. Yeah. But at the same time, I just deep down inside, I just don't know if if Lonzo and, and that whole family would want to stay with a mid-market team. I, I think that's a legitimate concern, not not for the first four years or not for the draft, but like for that second contract, that third contract. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah, it's a legitimate I, yeah. concern. So, uh, that being said, let's talk about Lonzo's game, though, uh, because he's a very interesting player. First of all, what do you think about his his jump shot, or how how much does that concern you in terms of his uh, future ability just to play basketball? Um, yeah, I understand the concerns with it. I, I'm more taken with his positives in, in creating 
and making everyone around him better. And I think that's something that you can work on, uh, that jump shot. I mean, it's hard to change it, but look, MKG, I mean, we've never seen a jump shot in such disarray and, and he's been able to somewhat transform it to make it into at least a possible viable option, you know? Um, so like, that's a, that's a good example right there. Someone who can come in and work and, and can change things. I mean, I think Lonzo, uh, has been able to do what he can do despite that jump shot. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't even worry about that, to be honest with you. I think he's a player that's going to carve his own sort of niche. He's not going to be like Steph Curry because he doesn't have that that jump shot. And, he, oh, no, and I don't yeah. know if he really has the, the – he can create with the pass. I'm not sure how well he will be able to create with the dribble early on. Now, you know, S- S- Steph wasn't – Steph when he first came into the league either so it's going to be can he work on creating off the dribble uh can he work on going to his right which he doesn't like to do um can he work on that jump shot and you know people look players have survived with funny jump shots yeah um you know Sean Marion being a, a classic example but I think teams are going to have to find a way to create for Lonzo uh outside the three-point arc because he really he he doesn't have a mid-range game at all. And like what what scoring point guard do you know that doesn't have a mid-range game? I, I like star, you know, uh star level franchise point guard that doesn't have somewhat of a mid-range game. Uh, I don't know. Uh so but he does have, you know, he does have the physical tools. Um, he's 6'6", so again, yeah, you could envision nice. him uh, playing alongside Kemba Walker in, in a double-point guard attack. Um, very, very good at high pick and roll. Like he f- The system at UCLA is very similar to the system uh, that, that some NBA teams run and similar to the system that uh, the Charlotte Hornets run. Um, so, you know, I, again, I would – and just from a, a pure talent level – I would have no right. problem with the Hornets selecting Lonzo Ball, and I think that he would be a, a really good fit. And he plays great off-ball defense. Yeah, it would be kind of fun. I mean, we've talked so much last year about you know that offense and the bench offense, especially when that second unit comes in struggling to do anything or get guys in motion. I mean, you used to feel like he would solve that uh, pretty quickly. I mean, he's a rookie point guard. He's going to have his hiccups, right? But like speaking about the shooting, don't you think whatever team drafts him, I mean, that's going to be the first thing they do. And they're going to have some, they're going to have shooting coach. They're going to have guys in there working on that shot with him from day one. Right. And you're going to have the best coaches in the world helping him either, either like, uh, you know, completely overhaul it or just fine tune it, I guess is a better term for it just to get it. So maybe it's a little quicker or I mean, you can avoid some of the possible pitfalls with that jumper, but I mean, that's going to be the focus of, of whatever team drafts him, at least one of them. Yeah, I was reading up on this shot, and it's something that started really, really early on in his basketball career, and it was because uh, he was going left so much, and it was just a way to sort of um, uh, bring the ball up quickly. And uh, when when you're talking about something that started that early – I, I don't know, and and something that's been so success that was so successful for him in college, that's the thing, and and why and there yeah. will be, there will be questions about whether it will be successful in the NBA because defenses uh, will be uh, better able to uh, prevent him from doing what he wants to do, and will be better at challenging him for jump shots, so he's going to need more space. Um, so th- those are the kind of things that you worry about. 
But again, his ability to create his high basketball IQ, something we know that Steve Clifford uh, it really geeks out about. Um, there will be you know, no issues whether they bring him off the bench or whether they start him. There's going to be no issues in terms of facilitating the offense. It's just, it's just that question of shooting. And yeah, but you'd rather have that to work on that. Like you're not, you, what do you mean? You can't teach six, six or, you know, a lot of the vision mm-hmm. and the natural instincts in the field, right? If you gotta, if you gotta work on a shot, I think teams are going to take that trade off. Oh, absolutely. No, we're talking about question marks, not yeah. reasons to, to not draft this guy at this sure. point. I mean, his, his playmaking ability will make him, uh, uh, some kind of star pending. And that's why I say at the beginning of this, that I think he's going to carve his own his own niche like he's going to be his own player I don't think you can a lot of and as Ashley sort of pointed out a lot of people want to make comparisons to Kidd or uh, Penny Hardaway but I, I just think he's going to be you know f- three four years down the line Lonzo Ball is going to be his own player uh, that other people are, are going to uh, be comparing other players to as opposed to you know like I, that's the thing you know you don't compare many players to Steph Steph's just Steph LeBron's just mm-hmm. LeBron I think more so even than Fultz, I think that Lonzo Ball has that ability to be his own his own thing. So yeah, that's why I'm I'm excited to just kind of watch this guy wherever he goes. You know, just because some of the question marks, I guess. But like anytime a guy like that comes out who can, who whose game is creating and making offense happen and making the game really more enjoyable to watch, like to see how he develops and progresses, I think is going to be one of the more interesting you know, stories that come out of this draft. So I think it's going to be fun. And then, Hey, you throw in his dad who, who, you know, who knows what will happen along those lines. So I, I mean, certainly, listen, certainly at least as long as his first contract lasts, the Charlotte Hornets will command attention at that point. So, Oh my God. Can yeah. you imagine Cam Newton, uh, ball in Charlotte? Like, I, I don't know. People's heads would explode. I love it. Uh, well, I you know, let's see. So we've got the the draft lottery tonight. Uh, we again, pay, if if the Hornets do vault up into that, those top three slots, go to facebook.com forward slash locked on Hornets. Uh, pay attention to our Twitter, uh, twitter.com uh, forward slash locked on Hornets, and also uh, we will we will release the pod on our regular pod channels uh, if that happens. And uh, so fingers crossed. Lucky Charms in hand. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked on Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.